is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Monday, November 1st. November is here, man. It's officially the third quarter now of the NFL season. And yes, I know there are more than 16 weeks, but this is traditionally how I tend to divide the season up. You know, you get different things in each part of the year. Players start surging. Players start to decline. Uh, the uh, pretenders are exposed for what they are. Uh, you know, the contenders are exposed for what they are as well. And potentially some big stuff shaping the NFL landscape. Uh, so let's do it. Let's dive in. We're going to start with Carolina and Atlanta. Feisty, man. Carolina's feisty, but obviously the big story out of this game. Calvin Ridley taking a step away from the team. This is uh, to deal with mental health, which, hey, I'm not going to knock that whatsoever. That's very, very important. So hopefully he gets things right, uh, you know, on his end. And he comes back when he comes back. The unfortunate thing is there is no timetable for us for fantasy purposes. But, of course, I have to remind us that there are much bigger things in fantasy football. We're not, We're lucky enough to be playing this silly game based on this real game, which is not silly. And let's just leave it at that. You know, uh, I I hate to have to immediately go, oh, here's the fantasy football implications. He's stepping away from the team. He wrote a note that I'm sure you probably saw that was posted uh, on social media. And, you know, again, this is uh, this is more important for him to uh, to handle his end of things than for us to play our silly game. So that's where we are with that. Uh, With him off of the field, well, one would expect to have seen a ton of Kyle Pitts, but that isn't quite how things worked out in this contest. To be fair, Pitts did see six targets. He actually tied with Tajay Sharp for the team high in targets, but just caught two of them for 13 yards. They were high ADOT targets, 14.8 yards downfield, so that is good for Pitts, but the performance wasn't there. Hey, people are going to freak out. Let them freak out. Just know that it, it's all about the volume. Uh, we did see a little bit more Mike Davis in this one than we had last week. Of course, Cordero Patterson remains the better fantasy play, but Davis ended up, he's RB24 right now, which isn't terrible. Patterson got in the end zone as a, as a receiver, which was solid. Otherwise, this was a tough spot, man. It was a really tough spot without... Uh, you know, without Ridley out there, Russell Gage was barely used in this. Actually, wasn't used. I mean, he was on the field, so he was used that way, but he wasn't targeted in this game. So a very uh, weird contest on the Atlanta side uh, after that, you know, that news that really was a big time bummer. I mean, we saw when it when it was announced as personal, you know, obviously everybody saw that 11:30 a.m. Eastern and we were we were wondering at CBS we're like, man, that has to be something serious then if this is the, you know, two times in the last three games and obviously it is. On the other side, Chuba Hubbard, heavy volume, 24 carries in this one. Got in the end zone as a runner. He's a top 20 guy, which is about... Honestly, I don't have an issue with Chuba Hubbard's production. Actually kind of exceeded my expectations a little bit. Uh, We have seen you know, heavy usage for DJ Moore. It's just the usage isn't translating to good fantasy value. Uh, Right now, four for 59. Better days will be ahead, very likely for DJ Moore. But it's going to take patience. And I know a lot of people in fantasy football just simply don't have patience. So it is what it is there. Uh, Sammy Darnold was, in, was concussed in this one. So we'll see what, what happens there. Saw a little P.J. Walker at the end of the game. Uh, moving on to the next one here, Miami and Buffalo. 
Miami's talk about feisty. Miami was feisty in this one after getting beat up on by the Bills earlier in the season. They hung in on this in this contest, but we saw Tua come back to earth predictably. He did score a rushing touchdown, so there's that. But uh, hopefully, he didn't end up starting him this week. Now, Devontae Parker back on the field did impact Jalen Waddle, though I will say this: Jalen Waddle did have 12 targets in this. He caught four for 29, but he had 12 targets. So 11 targets for Parker, eight for 85. Parker looks like he was significantly better, but you know I, I think it's a little bit closer than the box score leads us to believe. And having him out there did take some some looks away. It looks like from Mike Gesicki, who only went three for 48 in this contest. Um, Gesicki is not an absolute set and forget, I guess, but there really aren't. <laughs> I mean, there's Travis Kelsey. And even even once you get into Mark Andrews, Darren Waller territory, I don't think we're exactly 100% stable this year. But, hey, whatever. It's tight end. Uh, Moving to the other side, Diggs gets in the end zone. Only 5 for 40, but the end zone, that's good. Uh, We did see Gabriel Davis a little bit involved here. No Manny Sanders catches. He had four targets, no catches. 10 for 110 for Cole Beasley. So we're having that little bit of this week it's this guy, next week it's that guy type of scenario. Tommy Sweeney filling in for uh, Dawson Knox. Solid enough, three for 30. (laughs) I don't think you can ask for much more. And then, interestingly enough, we saw a lot of Zach Moss in the passing game in this. Seven targets for Moss. Caught six for 39 in this contest. All right, up next, let's talk about Chicago and San Francisco. Um, Yeah, this was the Justin Fields game, finally. And what's interesting here, I mean, it was obviously a breakout fantasy performance. I'll talk about him on the show tomorrow. But we'd be foolish to expect 100-plus rushing yards out of him every single week. That's largely where the numbers came from. However, what I will say is his rushing yards have been trending up. So that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. They still covered him up in the passing game, just 27 passing attempts for fields here. Uh, There still is almost no relevance for Allen Robinson and very little, even though there were nine targets for Darnell Mooney, very little relevance for him. Khalil Herbert ran hard in this one, 23 rushing attempts, two receptions, minus four yards there, but the 23 rushing attempts is huge. I don't think David Montgomery is going to be back next week, so we'll likely have another week here of uh, Khalil Herbert. On the other side, Elijah Mitchell rolling 18 for 137 and a score. Signature game for him. Still no involvement in the passing game, but who cares when you put up those numbers? Of course, Jimmy Garoppolo, 322, no touchdowns through the air. Ran for two, though, so he's a top five fantasy option this week. And yet again, we get another healthy, healthy dose of Debo Samuel. Nine targets for him. He goes six for 171 on just 89 air yards, so getting a lot done after the catch. Brandon Ayuk did have seven targets, so there was that. Four for 45. He's still not fantasy relevant, but at least he did see the seven targets. All right, let's take a quick break. After the break, we will come back, break down Pittsburgh and Cleveland. A classic AFC North defensive struggle, Pittsburgh versus Cleveland. On the Cleveland side, hey, Nick Chubb got back on the field. I think that is the number one thing for us here. And escaped with, I'm not seeing anything, but knock wood. All right, hear that. I'm going to knock wood because I haven't seen any any setbacks here, which is great. Now, I know that if you have him on your roster, you don't feel great right now. But come on, we got to take away the positives, right? Got out 17 touches, no injuries, 
And yes, to Ernest Johnson scored a touchdown, whoopity freaking do. He had five touches. He played 18 snaps. He wasn't a major factor here. Ultimately, this was a, a, a solid start for Chubb. Overall, the game was not good for Cleveland. Baker is still obviously very limited with that shoulder. Jarvis had 10 targets, which was nine more than Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, so there's that, but there's just no value outside of Nick Chubb right now on that squad. On the other side, it, it wasn't, obviously it wasn't the best outing offensively for this squad. Uh, you did have a very pretty touchdown reception from Pat Fryermuth, who is trending up. We'll talk about him tomorrow. But this was really just a lot of Najee Harris. 29 touches for him. He went 91 on the ground on 26 carries, went three for 29 as a receiver, scored a touchdown. He's still really good. And I'm, I'm not overly concerned for Deontay Johnson. Six for 98. He had 13 targets. I mean, he looked fine. It wasn't great fantasy numbers, but it wasn't terrible fantasy numbers either. If if there is any buy low window on him, I would take it. Philly and Detroit. Ah, Jordan Howard. Lovely to see you again. <sighs> he scores two touchdowns in this. There's no value to... I, I don't even know if he'll be signed to the active roster because he'll revert immediately. I, I guess it already happened to the practice squad. Uh, but both Jordan Howard and Boston Scott scoring two rushing touchdowns. People are going to be panicky over, well, I think three players here. Jalen Hurts, Kenny Gainwell, and Devontae Smith. Now, the challenge with this is the Eagles destroyed the Lions. And right away, like immediately started destroying the Lions. In a game like that, you're not going to use Kenny Gainwell in the place where he's going to give us fantasy value, which is in the passing game. And he had zero targets. So I'm not panicky about Kenny Gainwell. I just know that the Eagles are not going to win by this much every single week. As far as Jalen Hurts is concerned, yeah, if you don't need to throw the ball with Jalen Hurts, don't freaking throw the ball with Jalen Hurts. I mean, pretty simple, right? 14 passing attempts. That's it. Now, he did go 7 for 71, so mm, not terrible there. But they're going to have to throw in other games. And by the way, next week they have the Chargers. So that applies to Devontae Smith as well. Uh, it's... They didn't need to throw. On the other side, I know a lot of people are disappointed by DeAndre Swift. I'm with you. You know, this seemed like it was a good spot for him. Even in a game where, you know, you have a poor game script for, uh, you know, for the run game, he should have still been effective in the passing game. But they were using, I was really surprised they used Jamar Jefferson. And, and not that they used him a ton. He only played 11 snaps. But without Jamal Williams, I thought all DeAndre Swift and, of course, Jamar Jefferson Gets a rushing touchdown. You know, he scores the touchdown, not Swift. Swift did have five for 24 as a receiver, but mm, not enough. Nothing doing in the passing game for the receivers. Khalif Raymond had zero. Had one target, no catches, no fantasy points. Uh, but TJ Hawkinson had 10 for 89. He's a stud. Stud, stud, stud. All right, moving on to Tennessee and Indianapolis. This is probably the biggest news, although there is some big news but this is the biggest news. Derrick Henry will be sidelined for at least the next six weeks. Looks likely to be more, you know, it's probably more likely the next eight weeks. So that is a two-month absence with a broken foot. Uh, the fifth metatarsal in his foot broken. Timing, uh, well, it sucks <laughs> flat out. Uh, it's actually the timetable is being called six to 10 weeks per, by uh, Ian Rappaport, but probably, you know, I would say the earliest he could be back is eight weeks from now. 
Just doing that math, eight weeks from now isn't going to do us any good for fantasy football purposes. So what the hell do we do here? Well, could be Jeremy McNichols. It could be a combination of Jeremy McNichols and whatever the heck they have in this backfield. I mean, they have Makai Sargent, who was an undrafted rookie free agent out of Iowa on the practice squad. They are bringing in, they're going to kick the tires on Adrian Peterson, and I'm sure whoever the heck else is out there. I'll have a better sense of where the value is going to be tomorrow. Uh, but unfortunately, this is going to be a tricky situation. You know, I don't know if we're going to have 100% clarity here. And uh, I hope this is kind of like a like a Chuba Hubbard. We weren't 100% sure. And even after the first week of Chuba Hubbard, it was like, I don't know if he's going to be the, the feature back. Well, he has turned into the feature back. So that was one of those where we kind of were, you know, we were rewarded for our speculation, but that doesn't always happen. So we'll keep that in mind. Uh, what does this mean for Tennessee's offense? Well, you run, you were built around Derrick Henry. Without Derrick Henry, you're not going to be built around Jeremy McNichols or Adrian Peterson or whoever is back there. You are now going to be built around A.J. Brown. Now, I'm not saying A.J. Brown's going to get 1,000 targets a game, but he had 11 in this contest where Henry was banged up early. This happened in the first half. He played through that, which is crazy. But regardless, you're going to feed A.J. Brown the rock. Hopefully you get Julio Jones back and healthy, and then you do whatever the heck you can with the backfield. I mean, Dontrell Hilliard's also in that roster, by the way. I figure Jeremy McNichols is a passing down back, so I just don't see the workload. But anyway, that's what you'll do. So if you have A.J. Brown, and even to a lesser extent, Ryan Tannehill, they're actually, I hate to say it, but they're going to benefit, at least from a fantasy standpoint here. Obviously, we hope the best for Derrick Henry. This sucks. But he could be back for the playoffs, which is important for them. On the indie side, Michael Pittman, 15 targets, caught 10 for 86, not special there, but... Two of them went for touchdowns. That is special. He had three end zone targets. He scored quickly in this game. Uh, Johnny Taylor got out to a quick start. Three for 52 as a receiver. 16 for 70 and a touchdown coming on a goal line carry. He's been awesome over the last give or take month. He's been awesome. And Carson Wentz, not bad. Three passing scores for Wentz in this one. He is trending up as well after the last couple weeks here. Uh, moving on to Cincinnati and the Jets. Well, <laughs> I have no idea about Mike White. I think this might be a blip on the radar, but I'll take it uh, if I have Michael Carter. Mike White, average depth of target, 3.7 yards. This dude threw for 405 yards, but only 165 air yards. That is really hard to do. Your receivers have to do a lot of work there. Uh, but 14 targets for Michael Carter. He goes 9 for 95 as a receiver, 15 for 71 in a touch as a runner. He is the number one fantasy running back this week. Oh, baby. I just think back to like week two, week three. I literally had to like yell. I, I didn't, I wasn't like yelling, but I basically had to yell at the FTN Discord like, guys, don't drop Michael Carter. <laughs> like, seriously, don't drop Michael Carter. This is why. He's not going to do this every week, but he is an Austin Eckler like fantasy talent who can carry the rock who can do so much in the passing game I love Michael Carter's game and I'm glad that it's coming to fruition here for fantasy purposes Jamison Crowder out there balling out eight for 84 uh Keelan Cole had one of the prettiest catches that you're, you'll ever see and it ended up not being a touchdown but good lord beautiful catch from Keelan Cole 
Of course, Tyler Croft got in the end zone as a receiver. So did Ty Johnson. Why not? And Braxton Berrios, just like we drew it up. On the other side, it was all bro mixing in this one. And that was exactly what you know we we did expect. We didn't expect Mike, Mike White on the other side. But yeah, when you're facing the Jets, you can um, you can run all over the Jets. I think that's the moral of the story. And fortunately, there wasn't a ton of Samaj P. Ryan. 43 snaps for Mixon, only 14 for P. Ryan here. Mixon, the number two fantasy running back right now. Tyler Boyd getting in the end zone. Jamar Chase still led the team in targets, um, and they all are top 25 guys. T. Higgins, anybody complaining about that? Four for 97, still a solid outing there for uh, T. Higgins. Moving on to the Rams and Houston. I got nothing on Houston, like legit. I mean, I guess I could say David Johnson isn't going to be a thing. I, I got nothing here. There's Brandon Cooks. It's it. It's it's Brandon Cooks. I mean, yes, Brevin Jordan got in the end zone. Maybe in Dynasty we care about that, but that's he's not a guy we're going to pick up. It's just Brandon Cooks, and that's it. It's legit it. On the uh, Los Angeles side, now the Rams did make a deal. <laughs> tell, tell me you're in Super Bowl mode. The Rams trading for Von Miller. <laughs> So this is going to be fun. Uh, But on the offensive side, Daryl Henderson continues to roll 14 for 90 and a score one for three and a score top five week for him. Cooper cup continuing to roll seven for 115 and a score. Robert Woods getting in the end zone, seeing nine targets in this one as well. And uh, by the way, he ran for a touchdown. (laughs) So everything's working. Everything's working for the Rams right now. And they didn't technically, I don't even think they really need Von Miller. Now they have one Von Miller. So there's your uh, maybe your Super Bowl favorite. I don't know. There's a couple teams in the mix. It's hard to pinpoint one one precise favorite, but the Rams are up there. All right. About to move on. But there is breaking news as I'm recording this podcast. So you probably already know this. If you listened, the Titans are going to bring on Adrian Peterson. So what does that mean? Well, I honestly think there's no value here. There's not going to be any value in Jeremy McNichols. There's not going to be much value to Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson is a huge step down from Derrick Henry, stating the obvious, but I do think people are going to simply assume that there's going to be a strong fantasy value there. I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Of course, we'll unpack that more for tomorrow's show, but I didn't want to leave that out since the news did break as I'm recording this. All right, next on the list, New England and the Chargers. On the New England side, hey, man, they won this game. A little bit of a surprise, not how I expected things to unfold. But in a game where they win or they play with the lead, well, Damian Harris is going to be a strong enough play. Now, he wasn't a monster here, 23 for 80, but did have a score, had eight red zone carries, two goal line carries, converted one of them for the score. That's a top 20 week, and that's all we really wanted out of him. And surprisingly enough, there really wasn't much else here for this New England team, but they pull out the victory. On the other side, yeah, this was a tough one for Mike Williams. That was sort of what I expected after, you know, the expectation being that J.C. Jackson would be on him. Keenan Allen got in the end zone a great day for Austin Eckler. I mean, we were a little nervous about him potentially missing this contest. Goes out, plays 45 snaps out of a possible 60. So solid day. Huge as a receiver, 6 for 60. 64 yards and a score on the ground. Checked all the boxes. Keenan Allen, 11 targets, caught six of them. Got in the end zone. Top 15 fantasy week for him. 
And honestly, better days will be ahead for Justin Herbert. It wasn't a terrible week, too, by the way. He's quarterback 13 right now, uh, so not terrible. Jacksonville, Seattle, uh, James Robinson was dinged up in this one, but he's, but he's being called day-to-day, which is a, a sigh of relief, especially this week where there are a couple se- potential season-ending injuries. Uh, the Derrick Henry injury, by the way, I, d- I don't think I said this. It's a, It looks like it's about a two-month absence, so he's, for all intents and purposes, done for fantasy purposes this year. Uh, Robinson only played eight snaps in this one, and it was a shame because he went four for 22, caught a ball for 17. He looked like he was off to a good start. Dan Arnold is now servicing as a back-end tight end. One, 10 targets in this one, and I do think that's somewhat sustainable there for Dan Arnold. And I guess we're going to have to start paying attention to Jamal Agnew because yet another solid performance. It wasn't a big performance, but a solid performance. Six for 38 and a score. 12 targets. That's eight more targets than LaVisca Chanel. I can't really explain it, but it is the reality. On the other side, well, the Seattle backfield without Chris Carson is basically the West Coast Ravens backfield. It's a headache. It's a conundrum. It's something I want to avoid for right now. You may not be able to, but if you can get away with it, just avoid it. Alex Collins was ineffective. Rashad Penny was even more ineffective. They even had Travis Homer and DJ Dallas touching the ball at points. Tyler Lockett showed us that roller coaster ride isn't over just yet. 12 for 142, because why not? Now, DK Metcalf only saw six targets, but the good news is he caught all six. Only 43 yards, but two of them went for touchdowns, so I don't care about the stinking yards. And we still have Geno Smith under center. <laughs> Yay. Geno Smith, a top 10 fantasy quarterback this week, because why not? Washington and Denver on the Washington side. It does look like they're trying to limit um, Antonio Gibson's usage, or at least heading into their bye. They're on bye this week, so keep that in mind. He played 23 snaps, 16 for Jared Patterson. Patterson out-carried him 11-8. to Three catches for Gibson, and McKissick continues to just be a passing down back, so I'm sticking to my guns on that one. I really don't like rostering passing down backs, but he did put up RB14 numbers this week, so if you used him, that's... Certainly not terrible. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones came back to earth. That was sort of predictable. That was a tough matchup uh, sort of across the board. That Denver defense is the real deal, although they just did trade away Von Miller. That's other news that's breaking here. Von Miller heading to the Rams. Uh, Yeah, tell me you're in a Super Bowl window without telling me you're in a Super Bowl window. Uh, On the other side, the Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams conundrum continues. They basically played about the same amount of snaps. They basically solved the same amount of work. And Gordon's a monster fantasy play, and Williams isn't. Why? Because of the silly touchdowns. Gordon scores two touchdowns here, so he's a monster this week. Williams doesn't score any touchdowns, but he was just as effective as Gordon Uh, That sort of stuff drives me nuts, but at the same time, it may create an opportunity to buy Williams on the cheap. Nothing doing in the uh, passing game here. Jerry Judy gets back, was pretty, you know, flat for fantasy purposes. Cortland Sutton had one of his uh, worst performances from a fantasy standpoint of the season. I'm not going to say it was a bad football performance. Their presence, or Judy's presence specifically, took the wind out of Noah Fant's sales. It was a tough one all around, but it was only one game. I'm not going to overreact to it. New Orleans, Tampa Bay, shout out to New Orleans, man. They they played their butts off in this one and won this game, but they did lose Jameis Winston for the season. Torn ACL, maybe we see uh, uh, Taysom Hill take back over, but I'll tell you this, he's been in the concussion protocol for like a month, so that's a little bit scary right there. If not, it'd be Trevor Simeon. 
lot of Alvin Kamara, as one would expect. Mark Ingram did get out there. He had six carries, but 19 for 61 in a score for Kamara on the ground. Three for 15 as a receiver. It's not an elite week, but it's a top 15 week, so that's all I really care about. Traquan got in the end zone. Callaway uh, did not, predictably, but nobody really stood out there. On the Tampa side, this was a lot of... Uh, Chris Godwin in this contest. And that's sort of how I saw it unfolding because Evans drawing the attention of Marshawn Lattimore only goes two for 48, gets in the end zone on four targets. That's it. 12 for Chris Godwin, catches eight for a buck 40 and one. That's kind of what you can expect in those types of games. Uh, Leonard Fournette continuing to dominate the snap share. This was not a Leonard Fournette game, predictably as well against a very, very, very tough run defense on the other side all right let's round it out with dallas and minnesota no dak prescott so we got cooper rush and we had a cooper to cooper touchdown pass amari cooper showing up big in this one and honestly it was a pleasant surprise that cooper and cd lamb both had solid fantasy lines here so that's encouraging i do expect dak prescott back though uh, next week on the other side down game for Justin Jefferson that's what happens when you run into some tough coverage Adam Thielen did what he does and catch touchdown passes and Dalvin Cook saw volume now I will say this with Dalvin Cook on the field Alexander Madison is basically not used that does not mean this week next week the week after that you drop Alexander Madison if you have Alexander Madison be in this thing for the long haul because if Dalvin Cook goes down. Madison is an instant elite option. Just save that bench spot for him. Commit to the cuff. Even if you don't have Dalvin Cook, which I'm in a league where I don't have Dalvin Cook, commit to the cuff and hold on to Madison. All right, that does it for today. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk some waivers. Yes, we will talk Adrian Peterson, etc. It's going to be a big one tomorrow, so I will catch you on the flip side. In the meantime, at Jeff Rackliff on Twitter, at Jeff Rackliff on Instagram, ftnfantasy.com. All right, tomorrow I'll be back. I'll catch you then. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.